Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Association Leadership Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Association Leadership Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Jeff Kerwin, and he is with the Washington State Chiropractic Association. Welcome, Jeff. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about the Washington State Chiropractic Association. How are you serving folks? Yeah, well, the Washington State Chiropractic Association represents all chiropractors in the state of Washington, whether they're our dues-paying members or not, because our work benefits them either way. What we do is we advocate for the profession, both in Olympia uh, with their legislators and uh, on the national level policy-wise. Additionally, we provide all kinds of continuing education opportunities for them, as well as business networking opportunities. Now, how'd you get into this line of work? Uh, Were you always involved in association work? Uh, no, I think just like anybody else in the association world, I kind of fell into it. I uh, I went to law school with the intention of becoming a lawyer and uh, realized that that was just definitely not the life that I wanted to have. And so I uh, left and then I found a job uh, working initially in you know education for an association, uh, just doing continuing professional education. And after a few years, I kind of show that I had a knack for it and uh, moved into different areas of association management, finance, executive management, marketing, uh, all of those things, and just worked my way through a number of different associations. And finally, I'm I'm here. Now, having kind of been involved in other organizations, is it, do they have similar challenges? Like, do you have the same kind of member engagement or member service challenges that you have with this group that you had with previous groups? Yeah, actually, the the one thing I would say is the same, no matter what association you're talking about, is you're going to have your your small core group of members that are totally a thousand percent engaged, and they are they are living the association just as much as the staff do. But then that's maybe you know two percent of your of your association. The rest are people who definitely see the value in the association, but you know, they've got other things going on. They've, they want you to demonstrate how constantly how the association is doing something for them. And that's good because that's what we're here for. But yeah, it's, there's varying levels, but mostly it's, it's all uh, people who are going to rely on the staff and those, uh, that small core group to, to run the day to day. Now, when you have kind of that small super fan group, how do you make sure that they're getting served to the level they need to be served, but also not just kind of succumb to that squeaky wheel gets the grease thing and miss out on other areas where you can be serving a larger amount of the members or potential members? Well, that's a good question. The, uh, I would say that my answer to that is you provide the same service that you do to them that you do to everybody. You just provide excellent service and you know what what they come to expect as rank and file members is what they get as that that core hyper involved group of members and maybe you just speak with them on a personal level a little bit more often but other than that you just got to give them the same great membership experience and make them feel like you know being a part of the association is just a part of their professional practice 
And then how do you kind of push that value curve in terms of, you know, you're doing a lot of advocacy, you know, with policy and things like that, that might be kind of in some ways invisible to a typical member. Um, and they have pressing needs of, I need another customer. You know, I need to figure out more ways to create different revenue streams. You know, they have more maybe practical challenges. How do you kind of have that balance of the ad advocacy as well as that kind of best practices on how to run a, a, a successful chiropractic practice? Yeah, um, I would say that this is this is an area where the pandemic really uh, gave us an opportunity to shine, uh, whether we wanted it or not. Uh, it was that uh, when when the lockdowns hit and when everything was was shutting down and it was you know two weeks to flatten the curve. Uh, initially, everybody was like, "Well, yeah, okay, we'll we'll just get through this two weeks. It's just going to be low business." But then, of course, that that didn't turn out and. <clears throat> businesses just started shutting down left and right and because chiropractic is in healthcare we we are uh in a central service that that cannot be shut down but uh as we see from some of the other healthcare professions during that time at least in my state uh for instance dentistry they got shut down completely you could not see your dentist ever period during the lockdown uh chiropractic a lot of people think well you know that's kind of a luxury service it's not something that i really need no, chiropractic is an essential service because one thing that uh, we saw was at the height of the pandemic, a lot of other providers were turning away non-COVID patients, just saying, sorry, we're up to our up to our limit with COVID. I'm sorry, you got the common cold, whatever, or you got back pain or whatever. Uh, you got to go elsewhere. And that's one, one area where chiropractors really shined, at least in Washington, was uh, being able to provide that alternate source for diagnosis and referral. Uh, because if another doctor wasn't going to take you in just because you weren't complaining of COVID symptoms, well, how are they ever going to find out if there was something else wrong with you? Somebody who was trained to diagnose had to actually uh, examine you. And that's one area where chiropractors were really able to shine. Now, what we provided for them throughout that time was constant monitoring of the almost daily changes uh, in guidance and uh, mandates from the state, determining who could be open, who could be open when, how many people could be in your office, uh, what what compliance issues the state was going to require for you in order to, to remain open. And really, it presented an administrative burden that no business owner really had the time to, to sift through and to analyze every single day uh, to make sure that they were still in compliance. And that's really where the association stepped in and picked things up. Uh, you know, for a period there, I was working seven days a week, probably 20 hours a day. And most, most of what I was doing uh, in that time was reviewing orders from the governor's office or from the secretary of state and analyzing them and determining what exactly you had to do to stay open and then uh, communicating to the membership what they needed to do, how they needed to do it in order to stay in compliance, but still be able to serve their patients. Now, having done something that um, monumental during that chaotic time, was that something that the members were like finally kind of, oh, I, 
I get it. Now, this is why I pay my dues. <laughs> this is why this is important. I mean, because that becomes a life or death of the survival of that business if they didn't know this information in the in a real-time manner that you were delivering it in. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think they really saw the benefit of that. I, and I think that kind of bore out in our, our membership numbers because for a period there in, oh, I would say, the second half of 2021, uh, you know, we, we maintained our membership numbers throughout the pandemic, but really right around uh, mid-2021, we saw like a 25% uh, jump in membership. And I think it was really just the message got out. People understood that, hey, the reason you're open right now is because you've got uh, you've got the WSCA staff on your side and we're running interference with the state. We're giving you the tools that you need to stay open. And I think... I think enough of those uh, really hyper-involved members uh, saw that and started having those conversations with their colleagues, saying, "Hey, you know, you need to you need to contribute. You need to get involved because uh, this organization is here, and your livelihood depends on them being open." So now, uh, now that we move pa- past the pandemic, is. Um your efforts uh, helping in regard to more chiropractic friendly healthcare policy from maybe the state and uh, nationally? I would say definitely. Yes. We, we were able to forge some new relationships with other provider types throughout the pandemic. And uh, you know, we, we've really seen referrals uh, greatly increase in the last year, year and a half. And, uh, really just those those conversations about collaborating on various policy objectives, those conversations that maybe didn't happen in the past just because uh, either other providers didn't really understand chiropractic or they didn't, they didn't know how we could work well together. They saw the messaging that we were putting out to our membership and they saw that, hey, every single chiropractic office I walk past, they're not, they're not closed down. Uh, so they must be doing something right. Uh, and so that kind of opened them up to having new conversations with the association and new opportunities for us to collaborate on policy objectives and legislation. And I'm um, hoping that that just kind of stays alive and uh, and continues after the pandemic is completely over. But I guess time will tell. And uh, can you talk about um, your affinity programs? How How is that working? Yeah, we we have worked closely with a number of our corporate members to uh, just kind of determine what products our our members need that their patients are you know are going to buy in in uh, you know large numbers, and we we work out ways of uh, doing revenue shares that help support the association so that we can kind of defer uh, payment from from members who you know are maybe struggling or or starting out in practice and can't necessarily uh, afford to be active dues paying members but want to have that uh that connection and they want to they want to support the association in any way they can well they can do so through our our preferred vendors who have affinity programs with us now is that something that's just part of your partnership agreements that there has to be some form of an affinity program or is that just the level of partnership that includes affinity programs no it's it's entirely on the corporate members and whether or not they are 
they're willing to do something. And uh, if that's if that's something that they find value in, and we've been lucky enough to to have a lot of corporate members who have who have wanted to step up and say, "Hey, I I need to find a new way that I can support the association because I'm seeing you know my business soar because of." Uh, what your your members are doing, and if they're not if they're not paying it back to the association, I want to make sure that that we can do that on their behalf. And we've had some some really great uh, corporate partners that have, that have done that. And that that's a pretty creative solution to create that win win for everybody. Yeah, and uh, actually the 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 one that we we had are probably our our most active. Uh, affinity program with is a company called my triad air and that's actually their tagline is it's a win-win-win it's a win for you it's a win for your patients and it's a win for the association as well uh so we're we're in the middle of our conference season right now and our uh, our corporate partners all get an opportunity to to go up and address the audience at various points and that's the tagline with my triad air is they get up there in front of the audience and say hey it's win-win-win why aren't you doing it Right, and and that's a pretty compelling argument, I think. Um, how has how do you feel your association's doing when it comes to continuing education and professional development? I know that's an area that a lot of associations want to kind of do a really good job in, and it's an important kind of pillar of the reason that they're there. Yeah, it's it's always been you know a foundation of of what the association does. Um, Chiropractic is a little bit unique in that um, much of our continuing ed has to be hands-on just because of the, the nature of chiropractic. It's a, it's a hands-on profession. Uh, and so uh, these last couple of years, we've had to transition primarily to, to virtual learning, just like everybody else has. And thankfully, we're, we're on the way back to going back to how we were pre-pandemic, but we've had to find new ways of delivering education to our members in that virtual format and new ways of being able to do that, that hands-on type of, of thing. And I mean, it, it works out to being, uh, you know, Hey, you, if you're going to watch this program, you need to have, uh, you need to have your, your practice patient uh, next to you so that you can, you can do your hands-on uh, step by step as we're we're doing this in the program but uh, yeah it's it's just been a learning uh, learning experience and we have we have found new ways of reaching out to uh, members who don't necessarily make it out to our conferences and making sure that they're getting the same type of education that we offer to all, all of those other members as well. So do you have any advice for other leaders of associations to um, engage their members and maybe, um, you know, maybe something you've learned when it comes to getting a member to join and to stick around? Yeah, uh, it's experiment. Don't be afraid to experiment. There's, we all have these crazy ideas floating around in our heads of what's going to be the next biggest thing, what's, what's going to work best. And you're never going to know unless you actually try it. And understand that more than half the time you're going to fail. Uh, just be be willing to fail. You know, try out the new things, and uh, because you never know which one is going to be the next revolutionary one. 
Yeah, I was just, it was funny you bringing that up because I was just talking to my team about that is um, we're trying to reframe failing to learning and uh, mm-hmm. using experimenting as a kind of bridge to that where you're not, you know, trying and failing necessarily. You're just experimenting and that experiment told you not to do that. And it's uh, just, you have you have to build in knowing that not every experiment is going to be a winner but you have to experiment because there are going to be winners somewhere along the line. Exactly. Exactly. But that's a mindset shift. I mean, a lot of people are so afraid of failing that they don't try anything new. (laughs) They just keep doing whatever was done before. Exactly. I mean, I think we have a, in the association world, we're, we're so very calendar driven and we know what we do this time of year, last year, what we did uh, this time you know, two years ago and okay, it's conference season. So this is what we're supposed to be doing right now is conferences. And we can kind of set these other things to the side because, you know, historically that's what we've always done. Well, you know, you just need to, you need to kind of get out of that pattern and accept that change happens. It's always happening. You need to embrace that and do things differently. You can't do things the same way you did them 20 years ago. Uh, That just doesn't work anymore. So try out the new things because you never know what one is going to stick. Now, what do you need more of? How can we help you? Um, well, like anybody in the association, well, I need more members. That uh, <laughs> uh, we always need more members. Um, I won't rest until I have 100% of, uh, of eligible uh, member prospects on my roles. But uh, really just getting the word out about the importance of uh, all the different healthcare disciplines, particularly during uh, em- times of emergency like we've had for these last two years, and understand that there are uh, there are resources out there to help you, and it's not always going to be your you know your primary care physician, but there's always somebody out there who can help you think outside of the box and you know take control of your health. So, if somebody wants to learn more about the association, what's the website best way to connect with you or somebody on your team? They can contact us by uh, going to our website, pyrohealth.org, uh, and they can contact us directly by email, wsca at pyrohealth.org. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. Thank you, Lee. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Association Leadership Radio. <laughs>